Dear brothers and sisters, we have a wonderful and profound passage to, on which to meditate, this wonderful gospel in which Jesus is teaching using the image of a vine and branches. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The branches are nothing unless attached to the vine. As Jesus himself says directly, without me, you can do nothing. So the emphasis in the gospel is on attachment. He uses the word to remain. And he uses the form of remain eight times. And my friends, when we look at scripture, at a scripture passage, and we see a, a word repeated you know, multiple times, we better pay attention. To remain in him. He uses the Greek word meno, which actually refers to dwell, to stay with. And so in the context in which John is using it, recalling Jesus' teaching, he's talking about being rooted, as it were, in Christ, knit to him by the spirit that the disciples receive from him. So we have to abide in Christ, and Christ has to abide in the disciple. And this is Jesus' intention. So that Christ is always in one's soul, exerting his power in the disciple. We can make it personal. So that he exerts his power in me. In me. So very, very important. Jesus says, abide in me. He says, or he's talking about remaining. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. And whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. So that's the first thing. And this attachment is no mere moral unity or some pious sentiment. No, it is ontological and real. It begins at baptism. And we know what happens at baptism. At baptism, the Holy Spirit marks a person's soul that the, so that the person is forever changed. A person who is baptized is not the same person he was before he was baptized. Holy Spirit, as I say, marks that soul so that original sin is forgiven. One is made a true child of God and a true member of the church, Christ's body. And that's where the attachment to Christ comes from, from being members of his church. We remain in Christ and Christ remains in us in the church, his body. So very, very important. It's the same way with confirmation. When one receives the sacrament of confirmation, one is different after than before. Completely different. So it's a, it's a change within one's very being. It's very important. Jesus is using very strong and powerful language. And that metaphor of the vine and branches makes it so clear. Because once the branch is detached from the vine, it's useless. It's useless. Jesus speaks about his father as the vine grower. And he says, he takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And every one that does, he prunes. He prunes. Kathairo, that's the Greek word, kathairo. He prunes. This word is a derivative of where we get the word catharsis, right? But kathairo. So it's removing undesirable elements. That's what the pruning's about. It actually has that sense of purification. Purification. 
So the one who is bearing fruit is purified, Jesus says, to bear even more fruit by having him pruned. And what is one way that we're pruned? Jesus himself says it, by his word. A word that is very powerful and has effect. Anyone who does not remain in me, Jesus says, will be thrown out. And this is interesting because that Greek word for throwing out, balo, balo, it's with force. It's like the the father who's the vine grower sees this useless branch, takes it and throws it away. Never to be near the vine again. Never to be finding it. Almost with disgust. St. John will echo this, the teaching in the gospel when Jesus says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. What is Jesus saying? Well, this is interesting. If we're abiding in Jesus, if he's dwelling in us, if his power is operative in us, then, to use St. Paul's phrase, we take on the mind of Christ so that we not only... Uh, move, but especially we think like Christ. St. Paul says, take on the mind of Christ. And that's the whole mission of a disciple, to think and act like Christ so that we're other Christs. And if we cultivate that way of thinking, conscious of the love of Christ every day, happy in the love of God, then We are truly alive in him so that what Jesus says is true. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Why? Because you will will ask rightly. We will ask for things that are consonant with the mind of Christ. And we know that God will answer our requests. Oftentimes enough, oftentimes in ways that will surprise us. We ask things of God, God says, okay, but how about this? Or we ask things of God and God says, even better, this thing. And we look back on our lives and things we ask of God. I know I do. Things I wanted and and didn't get, and I say to myself, thank God I didn't get that. (laughs) You ever think that? Thank God I didn't get that. I was thinking I wanted that. I didn't get it, and thank God I didn't get it. Right? On the other hand, you may ask for something and then be surprised with something even better. Even better. So if we have the mind of Christ, we will ask rightly. St. John says something very powerful in that second reading. He says, let us love in deed and truth. Let us love in deed and truth. Love can never be separated from the truth. If we're loving, it's always in the truth. Authentic love. Authentic love. And that means we have to know the truth of God, oneself, and others, who we are as human beings, and understand God's plan for us through his revelation, especially in Christ. St. John says, if our hearts do not condemn us, We receive whatever we ask. That's the echo of the teaching of Christ in the gospel. If our hearts do not condemn us, if we have a clear conscience, how could we have a clear conscience? Through being in a state of grace. The Holy Spirit, Christ himself abiding in us, 
when we're in the state of grace. What's the state of grace? We're not conscious of having committed mortal sin. Our conscience is not convicting us of an evil action. Then we're in the state of grace. Our hearts do not condemn us. We receive, John says, whatever we ask again. Because thinking of the mind of Christ, taking up the mind of Christ, we will ask rightly. St. John says we know that he remains in us from the spirit he gave us. Again, using that same word in remaining, meno. We know that he dwells in us, that we're attached to him from the spirit that he gave us. And so no wonder, so no wonder the psalmist says in that very first uh, stanza, I will fulfill my vows. To have the mind of Christ, to be dwelling in him and he in us means that we will live up to the responsibility we, responsibilities we've freely chosen in our vocations by which we are to grow in holiness. And this is what we see in that first reading from Acts of the Apostles. At the end of it, St. Luke gives a summary. He says, the church was at peace. The church was at peace. It walked in the fear of the Lord, the great respect for God in Christ. Being rooted in Him, dwelling in Him, abiding in Him, being attached to Him. And they had the consolation of the Holy Spirit. So my friends, how do we remain, how do we remain in the Lord? Well, we already mentioned one way, the primary way, that the way that starts our life in Christ through baptism. But then we must take that grace and remain in God's grace. Being in the state of grace, we do that by being attentive to his word. We have to spend time with God's word. Remember what Jesus says himself about his word. It prunes us. It purifies us. It has effect. Secondly, in the sacraments, that's why we're here, to celebrate the sacrament of the Eucharist. We receive Holy Communion, which we can only do in a state of grace. Then we truly receive a renewed outpouring of God's love. His power, his energy, so necessary for us to bear fruit. And thirdly, through prayer. We have to be people of prayer by which we spend time with him and stay attached to him. Now, I've said before, if we say we love God and we're not praying, we don't love God. So simple. We say we love God and we don't pray, we don't love God. And if we do these things by remaining in the Lord, we will bear fruit. What is the fruit Christ expects us to see? He says it over and over again in the gospel. Works of charity. St. Therese of Lisieux says, the simplest work done in love done for the love of God and neighbor means so much to the Lord. The simplest thing, her little way, right? Her little way. But here we can be creative. We can be creative, and God expects us to be creative. That's what he means about using our talents. Talents for what? To love. To be attentive to our neighbor. To be attentive to God. St. John says we can't love God whom we don't see if we don't love our neighbor who we do see. 
And this means working or acting on the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. And they take on so many different varieties. So many different varieties by which we extend Christ's well-being to others. You know, when I come across the image, read it or encounter it, hear it, whatever, of the vine and branches, always makes me think of wine. Wine, a good bottle of wine. And you know, through the years, I've been very fortunate to have friends where I can sit down and share a bottle of wine. It's a wonderful experience where we sit together, especially, you know, Brother Priest, and we talk about for hours, you know, on an evening, about various things going on in our lives, different things, sharing a bottle of wine. It's an activity of well-being. And that image of friendship, sharing a bottle of wine, is what God in Christ so desires for us. So desires for us this deep friendship with Jesus. And that's what he's calling us to today. This deep friendship of well-being with him. For he loves us so much. So that if we stay attached to him, we remain in him and bear much fruit, we will be with him forever in heaven.